Awesome. Very good. Hey, good to see you. Welcome to the bridge. We are thrilled that you are here and worshiping with us during this awesome, awesome Christmas season. How many of you love Christmas? Love Christmas? Yay! How many of you literally are playing only Christmas music in your car right now? Thank you. Thank you. I'm right. I'm with you. Annoys my family to death. Yes. But that's okay. They'll be okay. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, real quick, the um, Pack the Force is today. If you haven't been following along, we do Pack the Force. We're going to pack 60,000 meals this afternoon. I know 450 of you have signed up, which is awesome. Uh, I know about 10% of that 450 won't show because you probably made some other plans. And what we want you to do in that case, uh, some of you didn't get to sign up, you can go ahead and show up. We're going to put you at the bottom of the list, though. Don't, don't take that. Don't be offended by that. It's okay. We'll try to slip you in. Everybody who signed up, we're going to give you priority. I know some of you signed up as groups. We'll put you with your group, and you'll have tables and so forth. So just keep that in mind. We start at 3 o'clock. You might want to get there around 2.45 for Pack the Forest this afternoon. Cool? And which, by the way, I think I already said this, but we raised, we exceeded our goal of $15,000. If I didn't say it, yeah. Amen. So... Praise God for that. That's really, really, really awesome. And uh, don't forget, all sons and daughters, awesome night of worship coming up in January. Grab your tickets online. You'll start hearing us on, on the Z. If you listen to the Z, you'll start hearing us on there pretty soon as well. So, whoo, it's time, it's time, it's time. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your mercies and your grace and your love, your watch, care, and protection over us. Father, it seems that it's happening way too often that we hear of insane happenings. And uh, just this week, Father, it was California, and before that it was Paris, and um, it's disturbing, and it jars us, and it, it, it rocks our worlds, Lord. Um, but I pray, and, and we pray, and we continue to believe in the hope in you as awesome and mighty God. And a God who is not far off and away, but you draw close. So we know that you are comforting and your spirit is present there in California today. Um, and Father, we just pray that we would continue to be a source of hope. May your church always be a place that lifts people up and, um, and lifts you up so that people will be drawn to you and find hope in you. Thank you, Father, again for this morning, for Christmas for the joy that we get to experience, for the fellowship that we get to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Yvette was kind and didn't make you stand up, but I'm going to make you stand up. Come on, people. Get with the program. All right, so we're reading from Isaiah chapter 9, and uh, you can read it from the screen. I'm going to read it from here. And uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. And uh, we're just going to kind of read this together, if you would. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. You might see a little difference there in the wording, 
My version of the New Living Translation is a little bit older than what Patty's put in. So it's not Patty's fault. It's my fault for not typing that in for her. So to help us get into that, um, you, guys are, you guys know that um, there's, there's a, a lot of interest in these, these adventure races, these obstacle course races, right? Some of you have actually done them. Who's done a Tough Mudder? Done a Tough Mudder? Yeah. If you haven't, you should. It's a pretty cool race. They got the Spartan race. They've got, uh, what are some of the other ones? Spartan race, Tough Mudder. What is it? Huh? Color race. That's not really adventurous, but that's, that's cool. I'm talking about like stuff where you can die, people, okay? All right, not color. Woo. So anyway, all right. Bad. All right. But, you know, they have these adventure races, right? And they, they um, so uh, I, I did one of these things. I did the Tough Mudder a couple of years ago, and uh, it's pretty pretty cool race. Um, what I didn't like about the, the, the Tough Mudder is that they had these electric, li- these live electric li- wires that would come down, and that was part of the adventure, right? And you would get shocked along the way. I'm still traumatized by that, by the way. I haven't, yeah, that explains a lot, right? That's what you're thinking. So I haven't, I haven't done another one, but I really need to man up and do another one. Um, so uh, anyway, but this is, this is an experience that I had while I was out doing this race, and it'll help us drop into our, into our, into our passage this morning. So I'm out there. I'm, I'm over halfway through. It's a 13-mile course. You got all these different obstacles and so forth. You got mud. You got, you got uh, barbed wire. You got to crawl on your belly. You got to command. You got to do all this stuff. So, but there's a, there's a couple of sections of walls. And I'm over halfway through the race. It's a 13-mile race, like I said. And I'm getting, the walls are successively higher. So as you go through the course, they get higher and higher and higher. And I'm towards the end of the race, and so I'm at the highest wall now, okay? And this is a, this is probably a 12, 10 to 12-foot wall. It's the last one on the course. And, and the cool thing about the Tough Mudder in any of these races is that people are generally, there's a good spirit of camaraderie, so people will help you. Now, I'm all of 5'5". Five, five, in my shoes, all right? That's with shoes on. And, uh, and so I've come in, this is, this is a 12-foot wall. And so I've managed to get over all the other walls with no help at all, maybe a little bit of help. I'm kind of, I'm doing the race. I got friends out there, but I'm kind of on my own doing my own thing. But when you get to this wall, when you get to this wall, you can't, you can't do it by yourself. And then people are, will reach down and kind of help the short little people like me up and, um, and that sort of thing. But there was no one there at that moment ready to help me up over the wall. All right, so I'm just kind of standing there waiting. You know, there's a line of people because everybody's getting help. So I'm just kind of hanging and waiting out. And, and then I look to the side. Uh, so I'm standing, this is the wall. I'm standing like right here. And then out of the corner of my eye, I kind of I turn around and start looking. And here comes this dude. No joke. This is, I know pastors embellish. I'm not embellishing. This is gospel truth. So here comes this dude. And he is, I can see kind of a silhouette of his body as the sun is behind him. And he's shaped like a Greek god, all right? Dude is like just rocked muscle, athletic, super dude, all right? And he literally says this to me. He says, coming through, coming through. (laughs) I said, all right, (laughs) coming through. So dude, no joke, you've seen Michael Jordan in videos take off from the free throw line? Dude takes off from the free throw line, all right? He's 6'4", 6'5", easy. I'm, I'm telling you, like a shape, like muscle everywhere, right? He takes off from the free throw line, jumps. He literally flies over me, all right? 
This is no, I'm not lying. He flies. I'm watching him. His sweat off of his belly is dripping in my face. And I imagined in my head just for a second a cape, you know, like this dude is superhuman, you know. And he grabs it, coming through, grabs it over the wall, and I'd never see him again. Never see the man again. It was the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, wow, I want to be like that, you know. And it was so cool. But, you know, I was thinking, what must it be like? What must it feel like to be so powerful and to be so strong that whatever obstacle comes your way, you can handle it? What, what must it be like to, to be so physically gifted, to be so strong, to be, to be so powerful that, that even a, you know, a 12-foot wall doesn't slow you down, Right? What must it be like to be so independent, so self-sufficient that you can complete anything, any obstacle, any object that comes your way, you can overcome it. It's like, wow, man, wouldn't that be nice? And the the tension that exists here in Isaiah 9, and really the tension that exists all throughout the book of Isaiah, as Isaiah the prophet speaks into the lives of God's people, The tension there is that God's people have become all too self-sufficient. They've decided that they are strong enough, big enough, have the the mental capacity enough and the wisdom enough to overcome and to do whatever they want and to overcome any obstacle that comes in in their path, to, to overcome any crisis that might arise for them. They have decided that they are bigger Badder and perhaps smarter than God is. And that's the tension that exists right here. So here's the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is speaking, uh, Isaiah is speaking at a time of crisis. Remember, we talked about that last time. Judah has made a kind of this unholy alliance with the, with the Assyrians. They paid the Assyrians to go and attack Israel. So divided kingdom, Israel up here in the north, Judah in the south. They paid the Assyrians, go and take care of business with, with Israel because they've made an alliance with Syria. Go take care of them. The problem is the Assyrians are hungry for more. And they continue south. And so when we pick up these passages here in chapter 9, verses, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, this is the looming crisis. So Ahaz is the king of Judah at this time. He has a major national security crisis on his hand. He's got a, he's got a, a, war, a warlike people, and he's got an army that's impending on him. They cast a dark shadow over him, a shadow of death. And the reason they're in the trouble that they're in, the reason they find themselves here is because they decided, because the king decided that they were fully self-reliant. That they could, in fact, fly over 12-foot walls all on their own. That any obstacle that came their way, they would be able to handle and they wouldn't need the help of a god. The God who has shown himself faithful in years past, by the way. A God who has shown them that that there is no other like this God. The same God who brought you out of Egypt and broke the back of, of the Pharaohs there is the same God who can take care of you in any crisis or situation. But Ahaz decided to take things into his own hands. So, so here's Isaiah. He's, he's speaking into this reality. And he's speaking very truthfully. 
He's saying, look, it's not going to end well, Ahaz. This is going to go really, really, really bad. All because you decided that you were fully self-sufficient, that you could take care of things all on your own. Now, that's the job of a prophet, right? We have all these prophets uh, in, in the Bible, and, uh, and, and, and Isaiah in particular is a, is a powerful uh, book. In fact, it's one of the latter prophets. It's one of the major prophets. And um, Isaiah is actually called the fifth gospel. You know how we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that begin the New Testament? We call them the Gospels. Uh, Isaiah is called, it's kind of an Old Testament Gospel. And, and, and he's called the fifth Gospel. He's writing about 700 years before Jesus comes. But he speaks a ton about Jesus and how Jesus would come and when Jesus would come. And so that's, that's the context. And Isaiah, uh, the job of a, pro- of a prophet was to tell you the truth even if you didn't want to hear the truth. The job of a prophet in a prophetic voice was to give it to you straight. Now, let me just diverge for just a second. Truth of the matter is, if we want to be faithful Christians, if we want to be people who are growing and becoming everything that God wants us to be, shouldn't we always have a prophetic voice speaking into our lives? We really should. I know we don't want to hear it. It's not nice and it's not fun. It's not pleasant when people tell us the truth and they don't put any sugar on it. But we should always have a prophetic voice sort of speaking into our lives. And hopefully it comes from people who love us and care about us and who believe in us and who want to see us grow. But never turn away from a prophetic voice of someone who loves you and wants to see you grow and become. And so Isaiah, as this mouthpiece for God, is voicing voicing God's pleasure and his will towards, uh, towards God's people. And he's saying, look... Look, look, Ahaz, dude, this is, this is bad, but I want you to understand something. There is one who will come, and he will bear this royal title. He will have this royal title, and it will be wonderful. These royal titles, it will be wonderful counselor. And the second royal title will be mighty God. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, a really cool thing about this word mighty. The word mighty, if you translate it to Hebrew... Is, is where we get the word hero from. Yeah. Hero. That where, where it is that you and I may begin to think that we have it together. Even though you know, we, we have talents, we have gifts, we are, we, are, we are mentally gifted, we're intelligent types of people. And by all outward appearances, we can achieve and we can do and we can overcome whatever there is. But perhaps it is. Perhaps it is, we should become more aware of this hero God. This one who says, no, you you may be able to accomplish much and you may be able to overcome whatever's in your way, but you ultimately need this hero God to save you. So Isaiah's speaking this and he's saying, look, no, 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 there's going to be one who comes, Ahaz. You've created a mess, but there's one who will come and he will save you from the mess that you've created. He's a hero God. He steps into very dark places. He steps into the worst circumstances. And whereas you thought, because that's how you got into the mess that you're in, you thought you could handle it. You thought you could overcome it. He steps in. You made a mess of things. He steps in. He says, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. Because I will rescue you. 
I will step into the mess that you've made. If you're, if you're up against a wall and you can't make it over, I am the hero God who will step into the darkness and the difficulty of that circumstance and I will come to your rescue. In fact, I will save you. That's why Isaiah, get this, the name Isaiah literally means the Lord saves. Amen? It literally means the Lord saves. So here it is, this, this, uh, this prophet, Isaiah, who always speaks truth, is speaking truth into circumstances that, that God's people created in and of themselves because they thought they could handle it. And, and Isaiah, how appropriate for the dude named the Lord saves. He's speaking truth. He's saying, not only does the you know, Lord save, but he's going to save you right now because of the mess that you've created for yourself. We always need... We always need a prophetic voice in our lives, don't we? Here's the other thing. We all sort of have to arrive at a certain decision. King Ahaz had gone his own way and done his own thing. He made that alliance to try and save himself. So all of us sort of are faced with the same tension and the same question in our own lives. Which king will we believe? Who will be our hero? Will it be me? Will I save myself? Or will it be the hero God, the mighty God, who truly and fully saves? Which king will you listen to? Ahaz decided that he would listen to himself rather than the king who has the, has the, 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 the royal title of mighty God. He chose to listen to himself. All of us are faced with the same reality. Who will you listen to in your life? Who will I listen to in mine? Because the reality is, in a way, we're kind of little kings. You should say amen to that, right? I know, you don't feel like a king. You know, you go home and it's like take out the trash and do the dishes. You don't feel like a king. But think about your life. Think about mine. The thing about a king is you have access to all kinds of stuff. You can do whatever you please. You can go over here. You can go over there. And then, you know, when, when things are especially good for you, and you get the bonus at work, or you, you're dating just the right girl, and, 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 or the right guy, and life is good, relationships are good, you sit back and you go, it's good to be the king. <laughs> Actually, you don't say that, but you think it. It's good to be in this place where I am right now. God must surely be blessing me. Life is good. Life is grand. I can do whatever I want. And, and it seems to just turn to gold. And lo and behold, you begin to sort of do your own thing. We begin to make decisions solely based on how pleasant the outcome will be for me and the pleasure I can receive from it. And we may hear God's voice faintly speaking into our situation going, you know, you might ought to listen to this. We, even, we may even have a prophetic voice coming from a friend outside saying, you know, you probably ought to go and do this instead of that. You might want to change your ways here. Are you really thinking clearly on this? And no, we are the kings and we continue to do whatever we want to and whatever Whatever feels right for us. All of us have to make the decision of what king we will listen to. Either the king me, the hero me, 
or the king of the universe who is omniscient and omnipotent and all-powerful and mighty. Who are you going to listen to? It's, it's interesting. Um, I, I actually brought a cape this morning. And uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice, isn't it? And because I'm a Superman fan, it actually has that right there. That's what's going on right there. But I thought it would be a great prop just to kind of have in my hands because it, it illustrates something. As Scripture says that God is a hero God. He's a mighty God, a hero God. The question becomes for us, where, where is the cape, right? Who truly is the hero of our lives. And I've decided that we can do a lot with a cape. We can, um, we can make just about anything the hero of our lives, right? You can take this chair, in fact, and huh. you can take anything. Let this chair represent anything it is. Anything that sort of supports you and lifts you up, keeps you from being low, keeps you from falling. What is it in your life? What is it in mine that is the hero? It could be anything, money, power, It could be, I don't know, you name it, things. It could be a relationship or the desire for a certain relationship. It could very well be religion. Does religion save you? Could it be Sister Ellen White? Could it be your diet? What saves you? What do you throw a cape over and say, yep, yep, this is the thing that has me. This is the thing that will ultimately rescue me and save me. So it may not be, a, you know, it may not be those things, but maybe it could be a person, right? I could invite any one of you up here and drape this over your shoulders, and you could be the hero of the story, Maybe it's even, maybe it's you yourself. Maybe you, like I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be Superman, but I could never find a cape, so I'd steal the towels from the linen closet. Really irritated my mom. But every superhero has to have a cape. Maybe you wrap this around your own shoulder. The, the question of the day is not only which king will you listen to, but where will you drape your cape? Who is your hero? Is it the God of the universe who saves both intimately and ultimately? Think about that. There's a passage, um, flip over to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse, I believe it is 14. And it says this, All right then, the Lord himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It, it, it's, it's awesome when you see um, acts of heroism. You know, you hear these stories of, of, of acts of heroism. Maybe it's a fireman or it's, or it's just a, a regular citizen, and they step into a dangerous situation, and they rescue uh, people. And, and what's required of a rescue is intimacy, right? You have to get involved. And what's, what's powerful about Christianity and Christmas, if you will, is that it depicts for us a story of a God who reigns up here, who is mighty God up here, who decided to take on flesh and come here to get intimate with us so that he could, in fact, save us. I've, I've told this story many times, some of, some of it will be familiar to some of you, but um, when I was a kid, I went to an African-American uh, funeral with my mom one time, and um, 
Uh, I'll never forget this. Is, if you've ever been to an African-American funeral, it's very emotional. Lots of, lots of uh, pathos and lots of crying and weeping and wailing. And there's an older gentleman there. And at the end of this service, as everyone's exhausted, and, but it's still just very tender and emotional, this old guy collapses as he's walking out the church. My mom's a nurse. She's been a nurse my whole life. And, and she immediately went to this man. And back in those days, they didn't... They hadn't taught us that you probably shouldn't stick your mouth on some stranger's mouth, right? <laughs> and so it's, I think they've changed that now for medical people. You put something between anyway. So, so my mom immediately springs into action. And she presses her lips up against this old, old man's lips with drool coming out his mouth. And I'm a kid and I'm watching this thing going, ooh, there's no way, Right? And she just goes to work and she's doing everything and she gets him back. She, she breathes life into this dying man's body and he lives. He gets a chance to continue at life. And all I'm here to say is that in order to rescue you, it demanded a certain level of intimacy that the God of the universe put on flesh and he comes to this earth and he presses his lips up against yours. And he breathes into your life and you get to live. He saves both, both intimately and he saves ultimately. Ultimately, he saves you. Try as you may to wrap this cape around something else in your life to bring you security and identity and to make you think that everything is okay and to make you think that you can overcome any obstacle that's in your path. Try as you may, ultimately, those things and that stuff and that relationship will not save you in the temporary, nor will it save you in eternity. Who saves you is the hero God, the mighty God of the Bible, Jesus Christ. He is the hero. He saves to the uttermost. He saves intimately and he saves ultimately. So what do I do in the meantime? What do I do right now? Here's the thing. Whenever we decide that we're going to trust someone, whenever we decide that, that, that we're going to um, uh, allow someone to be our savior, to rescue us, Whenever we decide that we're going to believe in someone and trust someone, that is Jesus, we decide that we're going to do life with this Jesus. So when Jesus came and he decided that he wanted to save you intimately, that was an invitation to a relationship. That was an invitation to get to know, not just get to know in that moment, but get to know over the long period of your life. So the way that we do life and the thing that we do right now, if you will, is that we begin to demonstrate that trust and that love in our Savior. We begin to do all of life. We begin to sort of drape that, drape that cape rather than over anything here. We begin to drape it on that cross. We begin to decide that all of life evolves around this Savior God that he matters most. So whatever I decide to do, wherever I decide to go, I'm trusting in him. Whatever obstacles come my way, whatever thing that, that hinders my progress, 
I'm going to go to him to seek guidance. To I'm going to rely on him. Ultimately, this whole thing is about faith, right? Faith is just another word for trust. I'm going to place my trust ultimately in him. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. Um, you get to begin again. You get to begin again. We get to begin again because of the saving power of a mighty God, a hero God. You ever notice how cool it is when, again, here in real life, when, when there are awesome acts of heroism, when people step in and they rescue people, and those people, live, their lives are saved. They get to walk away from a crisis situation or a potentially bad situation, and they get to begin life again. Yes, it's traumatic. There's no question about it. And that stuff will linger with them. But what they get to do is they get to start all over. They get to begin again. Here's, here's how this works for us spiritually. You may have been going through life with the cape draped over everything but God. You may have been pretending that, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. I love him. I trust him. But in reality, you are trusting something else. Here's the thing. You're up against the wall. There's only one God who can save you. That's the mighty God mentioned in the Bible. And the way that he saves is when you and I decide that we want to live with our whole lives and oriented and, 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 and working all around him and what he is doing. You can begin again. If you've been living this way, you can begin again because the mighty God is always saving. He's always rescuing. He hasn't lost sight of you. He knows where you are. He knows what mess you're in. He knows how unfaithful you've been. And he says, I can still step in and save even you. That's how big he is. That's how awesome he is. That's how mighty he is. That's how powerful he is. You can begin again. But this time you do it differently. Not the same old way. This time you do it differently. What's the definition of insanity? To continue to do the same thing over and over and to expect different results. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to be Ahaz. We're not going to take things in our own, into our own hands. We're going to say, God, as I am in relationship with you, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to lay my life in your hands. So whatever I come up against, whatever difficulty I face, whatever challenge I face, God, you will carry me through, not me. You are the king, not me. I'm going to lay down my cape and let you be both hero and king. Want to know what it means to trust God? Trust him with your whole life. Don't hold anything back. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are hero, God. Thank you, Father, that even though we have messed things up royally in our lives, you still are willing to save us from these dark places, to get us over the walls and through the obstacles if we're willing to trust you. Father, if we've lived in such a way that says that we trusted you, but we really didn't, forgive us for that. Forgive me for that. And allow us, Lord, to catch just a glimpse of your glory, to see you, mighty God, 
And you didn't need a cape because you had a cross. And Father, may we trust in what was accomplished on that cross, that it is, the sa- it is the thing that ultimately saves us. And it doesn't just save us in eternity, it saves us right now, every day of the week. And thank you, Father, for Christmas. We thank you for these gatherings that we have that celebrate you. You are a mighty God, our hero. Amen. Amen.